Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by White Famous. White Famous is a new Showtime original comedy series about trying to make it in Hollywood, starring SNL vet Jay Farrow as Floyd Mooney, a comedian whose career is about to blow up, but he's not sure if he's ready for all that. Can he make it out without losing his soul? White Famous is executive produced by Academy Award winner Jamie Foxx and the creator of Californication, Tom Kapanos. The show is based on Jamie Foxx's real-life experiences and also stars Michael Rappaport, Jacob Ming-Trent, and Lonnie Chavis. The two-episode series premiere is this Sunday, October 15th at 10 p.m. only on Showtime. You can also watch the hilarious season premiere right now for free on YouTube. Download the Showtime app now to start your free trial. I need supports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. And welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRigger.com. And joining me in the studio, soon to be replaced by a Porg, it's Andy Greenwald! We haven't seen each other in a while. Yes, we back. What's up, man? You were away. Then I was away. Yeah. We had guests. We chatted on the phone last week. We immersed ourselves in the comedy community. We did. Yeah. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you too, man. Boy, what a, what journeys we've been on. Yeah. Uh, today is Tuesday. We usually record on Mondays, mm-hmm. but uh, for travel reasons, we decided to record today. And, you know, we obviously are here to talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about the Star Wars trailer. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of like Comic-Con trailers that we wanted to get to to kind of like pop culture catch up, look towards, you know, the rest of this year and the beginning of next year. Obviously, it's kind of strange to do this pod in this way today where we're just usually very celebratory of the mm-hmm. kinds of, I mean, I guess we're celebratory of the kinds of stuff that we like, but kind of hanging over the entire media business right mm-hmm. now is the Harvey Weinstein story, which has been unfurling since last week and uh just as we were walking into the studio the new york times published interviews with among other people angelina jolie and gwyneth paltrow about Mm -hmm. their experiences with harvey weinstein ronan farrow published a very long Mm -hmm. very thorough article in the new yorker this morning about um uh harvey weinstein's legacy of i mean essentially sexual Brutality, yeah, um, including audio, which is including audio recordings and of, of Weinstein. Yeah, important to listen to. So it's strange. I mean, I I, I feel this way. I, I said to to Concepcion this morning when I was walking into the office, I was like, I've kind of forgotten what life felt like before life felt like this, mm-hmm. uh, where the things that you kind of say, like, okay, well, these are these are my core interests, or this is mm-hmm. what I do professionally as I cover, or I think about movies, or I think about sports, and those things are blocked off, mm-hmm. right? Those things are, I and, I, and I myself as a person, like, compartmentalize a lot. I'm very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't compartmentalize anymore. Everything you consume, everything that you are a part of is part of everything else. And the injustice and the corruption and the, uh, the, the, the violence and, and, and the, all that stuff is all interlocked with what you like. We're not what you know, not what you like, but it's important not to ignore it. And I know that yeah. for me, like we, we we talk about, you know, we tried, or I think that I in my mind was like, let's separate like the sports from the politics, or let's separate film from the people who make it. And it, you can't do that. And I, I I think that that is something that I've been like reckoning with. Like sometimes a lot we all want and deserve escape, and I think that remains true, especially now in the world that we live in. But I also think, and I know you'd agree with me, that one of the great privileges is the ability to escape politics. Sure. Because that means that you are not 
or you don't, or you're not aware that you were affected by it. And though you and I both have enormous issues with social media and social media culture, um, uh, mainly because we wish there were Twitter after shows just 24 seven, that would affect our lives <laughs> in a positive way. But no, but, but quite seriously, there is something that, that, that Twitter culture has done that I think is extremely positive, which is there is a feeling of, there's a perpetual feeling of um, destabilization and discomfort that it can be positive. And what I mean is, obviously, the journalists that broke this Harvey Weinstein story in the New York Times and in the New Yorker and are now um, continuing to report it out in other media are doing championship-level work and should be commended. But I do feel that the reason that these stories are breaking now, you can trace a little bit of a line to the way we think about things now, to the constant drumbeat um, that disrupts our feelings of escapism and privilege, you know, to, to basically be reminded constantly of what, how and why privilege works, particularly in industries that we felt, quote unquote, that we felt, quote unquote, safe in. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, 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 I, and what I mean is, you know, it, it, it's... That's what I mean. No, I, and you know, I was I was thinking about this too. With the there's a kind of um, a, a pretty pretty robust considering like the limited probably uh, the limited appeal of it. There's a pretty robust history of culture surrounding Hollywood. So mm-hmm. like whether it's something like say uh, Hurley Burley, mm-hmm. a David Ray play that was adapted into a film starring Sean Penn and Kevin Spacey. What ninety. 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. Uh, Entourage, The Player, like all this stuff about kind of the very bad men who make the movies that Mm -hmm. we watch. And just like even feeling a little bit gross about being an active participant in that. Mm -hmm. Even if those films and those plays or those television shows are about the moral bankruptcy of those people, uh, there is always going to be a degree of lionization and of, um, you know, kind of you know these bad guys but they're really interesting to watch Mm -hmm. and that kind of feels disgusting now you know like i feel dirty for sort of liking that stuff ever uh now uh this obviously isn't really like a a conversation where it's like about whether or not andy and i like (laughs) the player anymore it's more about these women and the uh, courage it must have taken to finally yeah, and, speak and, out and, and the what they've had to live with over this guy's tyranny for all these years. Yeah, and, and what did it cost us to be like, oh, Seth MacFarlane made a joke about Harvey Weinstein? Or, or how about this? For 25 years, you and I, as consumers of pop culture entertainment, have been well aware that this guy is mm-hmm. a universal size asshole yeah. that he is a monster yeah. that is his brand that he you know he 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 browbeats people he he uh slices up movies you know and dominates and threatens Harvey Scissorhands yeah. Harvey Scissorhands um what did it cost us to sort of know that and continue along our merry way nothing you know obviously because not only did we not make these movies but we didn't actually have to deal with them but nor did we and many other people poke past that. Why do we think that's okay for someone to behave like that in a professional setting across the board? Well, because there's this tradition of, you know, it's a, it, it's a, it's, it's in some ways similar to the tradition that was accepted for a long time of um, coaches, right? That you can, that the tough coach, you, you're, you're the Bobby Knights of the world, you know, that you couldn't do that in a boardroom, yeah, right. but you could somehow do it in a locker right. room. Um, I'm happy that those, those things are crumbling, but in the sense that, you know, this is the, this is sort of what I'm getting at when I mean about the way Twitter has, has chipped at people's assumptions and chipped at people's comfort and privilege is 
the, I don't, the word complicity means something that I don't know if I want to go all the way towards it. But to just continue to have existed in a world and been like, well, that's the way Hollywood yeah, people it's are. it's just how it goes. There, there is yeah. a, there, even in my limited experience in this industry on the other side of it, like there is a, um, I want to say passive sexism that is just rampant. Sure. But I don't think any sexism is passive, you know, unless you're, unless you're somehow uh, benefiting from it. But there is an assumption that, you know, like with Harvey Weinstein, like, well, they, you donate to the right causes and you make the right kind of art. Absolutely. That you look the other way. And so we certainly don't have any solutions or prescriptions in this conversation, but it is a constant reminder that, 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 that staying woke should not just be a hashtag. Sure. Honestly, because yeah. this is, it's just, it's monstrous. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. And I, I think the only way to leave the conversation before we move on to, are they called porgs? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the only way to get back to that, only way to get back to that. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> Is to say what you said already, which is that the people coming forward, no matter when they came forward or how they came forward, are are heroic for yeah. doing so and should be championed. All right, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we will get back and talk to Star Wars. Talk about Star Wars. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Upside. If you travel for business, you know it is a game of wins and losses. Popping open an overhead bin and finding it empty, that is a win. Sleeping through a wake-up call, that is a loss. Buying your business trip at Upside.com, well, that's not just a win, it is a triple win. Number one, Upside has the best absolute available prices for flights, hotels, and rental cars. Win number two is that Upside will reward you with a gift card to places like Amazon.com every time you buy a business trip and win number three is the amazing six star treatment that you will get from upside's customer service specialist who they call the navigators one recent upside customer was called away for an emergency meeting and had to miss his wife's birthday so a navigator get this sent her flowers to try and help ease the disappointment that's pretty nice right and that's just one example of how upside navigators go above and beyond for their business travelers imagine what they can do for you upside navigators are instantly accessible 24 7 by voice chat email or message on the upside app even reaching out to you with useful info to help you avoid the problem before it happens and i'm going to start your upside six our treatment now because if you go to upside.com and use my code watch you will get a minimum $100 gift card to amazon.com that's mm. code watch w-a-t-c-h for a minimum $100 gift card to amazon.com when you buy your next business trip at upside.com upside.com you deserve a better business trip minimum purchase required see site for complete details all right andy we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Star Wars The Last mm-hmm. Jedi. We'll talk about a bunch of other stuff that's coming up this mm-hmm. fall and winter. Uh, mm-hmm. That a lot of it got debuted at the New York Comic Con. I got some stuff You were to in talk New to York. About. Yeah. I want to hear all about. Uh, I mean, the, no trip that you take mm-hmm. would be complete without just letting me know. What's up? Wh- what's up and what you watched on the plane, man. Oh, okay. So thank you for that, first of all. I appreciate I that. It's a thing. Um, it, is a th- it is a thing. You know, learned a couple things in New York. You know those earbuds that Apple made? Uh-huh. People use them. Wait, the ones with no wires? Yes. In L.A., you don't see that. But in New York, people are like, okay. And so they walk around with these little teardrops hanging out of their ears. Huh. So I thought that was interesting. Also, I forgot one of my favorite things about living in New York, uh, which is 
when you quote unquote have to take a meeting or have a phone call work related and you like step out onto a side street and <laughs> yeah. hope to God there's not some sort of fire emergency. <laughs> that a but it, garbage truck isn't removing. <laughs> yes. Well, so I thought I found like a, a pile of sweatpants or so something I, like, like that. So I ducked out of my in-laws place yeah. on, on the otherwise placid Upper West Side, you know, just to, just to have a little conf. Sure. Conf mean call. streets. Is that what we say? And uh, I, I'm, I'm saying something and I'm sort of trying to articulate something in front of like eight people on the phone when I hear a high-pitched scream. <laughs> Across the street, I hear a woman say, oh, my God, did I just step on a dead rat? And I was like, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm, I'm back. home. How is the and subway the way, system holding up? The answer is always yes. The answer is 100% you always yes. You stepped yeah. on a dead rat. stepped on a dead rat. It might not even be dead. The sub, the, you're just <laughs> resting. Just sleeping. The rat was so tired from its commute because the, the rat train is shutting down. The ingested so much residual ambient from eating <laughs> other people's garbage. It's yeah. true. Um, how is the subway system? The subway system uh, welcomed me back like an old friend. Yeah. Uh, which is to say it spat in my face. <laughs> and, uh, no, it, it, it seemed to be holding up. But I have to say, my other New York observation is they put in all these like New York Connect, like kiosks where like you can charge your phone or like dial nine one one because Aren't you stepped those on a rat. Are the things that dudes were watching porn on? This is my point. I'm like, yo, don't build a kiosk. Fix the subway. Yeah, right. A bus came <laughs> when I was back in Brooklyn, and a, and a bus came, and I was like, what is this beautiful bus? It was like bright blue. And yeah, it had yeah. This, don't paint the bus. Fix the train. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I want to say something to my old neighborhood cafe mate, Bill de Blasio. Yeah. It's like, put down the post-workout croissant, man. <laughs> Fix the train. Does he have cheat days? Does he do croissants after the workout? Oh, I don't, did we ever talk about this? Does he take like a unicorn to an equinox in Long Island? How dare you? Mayor Bill de Blasio, yeah. my former neighbor in Park Slope, Brooklyn, would every morning take a a, a police-escorted Lincoln Town Car <laughs> from Gracie Manor yeah. to the busted-ass Y, two blocks from my apartment, to work out, often next to me on an elliptical. Okay. And then he would, and his wife would then go across the street to a wonderful patisserie, I'll shout it out, that was our local, Colson, and sit there and drink coffee and talk to his wife with Secret Service and then leave. That's nice. Yeah, except, routine. Yeah, except you think like this guy's bad at retail politics, man. He never once spoke to anyone. Yeah, you'd think he's like, I gotta connect. With oh yeah, Park kiss Slope. the babies. You know, man. I gotta. There's and you know, if you want to kiss babies, that's your neighborhood. Yeah, seriously, they're but, coming out of the windows look, there. I'm, I'm I'm divested from New York politics. Okay. That, that's that's not what I'm here to talk to you about. I did want to say the one thing that I miss about New York that I think could spawn an interesting conversation, and I think we should open this up to our listeners as well. Is one of the things I miss most about New York is. When people, when the screams from the rat phobes die down. Rat phobes? The rat phobes. There's like three guys who used to go to like Marilyn Manson concert, concerts who like rats. Right, and no so one the, else? Otherwise, the entire population of New York City is anti-rat. They're not anti-rat, they're like rat tolerant. You know what I mean? It's no, like, no. You who's need, rat tolerant? When you were standing on the subway platform at Union Square, and you're just waiting, and you're like, to maybe check your phone. And, and it then was you, in the distance? And you glance down in the tracks, and there it is was fucking Rizzo from the Muppets. <laughs> Eating a slice from Joe's. Yeah, right, right. You know, a fresh mutt slice. Respect, but I don't. It wasn't like if that you rat got like in a ten foot radius. I was just like, nah, no. Well, sure, but they there's usually they they respect the restraining Those order. Those guys distance. can. They're gonna learn to jump soon. <laughs> You're right about that. So, so what I'm saying is, when the screams die down, a car will drive by with the windows down and playing Hot 97 oh, yeah. or something. This is your and it's thing. like I love, I love listening I love to music it. through yeah. other people's cars. What was the big song? And what I wanted to say was. You've come to love Bodak Yellow. Yeah, I appreciated Cardi B a lot more. Okay. That is true. I like that song now because I know people were wondering, <laughs> is there a 40-year-old guy in Los Angeles who hasn't weighed in on Bodak Yellow yet? Um, what I wanted to say was I hope that one day 
every one of us can find someone who sticks by us the way New York Rap Radio sticks by Fabulous. Oh, yeah. Did you hear the new Fabulous song? I heard all of the Fabulous songs in a seven-day period. And what I want to know is, who is the Fabulous of every other major urban market? Because you will not hear Fabulous on L.A. Rap Radio. Nor should you, right? (laughs) So I imagine Atlanta has a version, New Orleans, L.A. I mean, in L.A., it's just like West Side Connection 24-7, which I respect. But I think that's an interesting phenomenon. Like, who is... That there are the still local hero. there are still regional yeah. stars who can yeah, yeah. be supported even in this iHeartRadio iHeart you know monopolies media culture we live in. I like that that they that, I mean Fab's one of my my favorite rappers of all time. I, I have a couple of guys like him and Cormega, which I like. They just have like a massively higher index number in 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 my book than yeah. anywhere else. I I would not be a reliable you, stock exchange. You know, and longtime listeners know because I've related this story before that I've always had a complicated relationship with Fabulous because of the time he yes, came he in. Yes, he fell to, asleep during an interview. During an interview, with with you. With you. yeah, I know. Um, I'm sure it haunts him to this day. Full, full asleep. <laughs> yeah. And for the record, the interview was not like, "Tell me about your, uh, your, you know, your background. Tell me about your inspirations." It you was guys literally are video games. It was literally you? him reviewing video games. He was playing NBA 2K2 and fell asleep while doing it. First, he, what time in the day did you guys do this? It's interview? Like 1 p.m. Eh, like it's still pretty early for Fabulous. You think he had a big lunch? No, I think he was just getting up. He did, and I, I will say this again. You know, he picked the Lakers because he, I don't know why, I think he was repping Kobe. And then when the, when the, 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 the quote unquote camera panned down the bench, and the, remember that dude, like Medvedev? Yeah. Not, not the prime minister of Russia, what? but there was, a, there was a white guy on the Lakers, and he, was, and he just looked at me. Mark Madsen? Through sleepy eyes. No, pre Madsen. <laughs> okay. A, a European dude, a okay. Russian dude. He, through sleepy eyes, fabulous, looked at me and said, That you. That's you. <laughs> and I was like, You know, if you run the numbers, that is more me. That is a thousand percent more me than, know, than, than, than Glenn you Rice or whatever. That? Yeah, he goes, that's you. <laughs> I was like, I guess. He's probably he's a lot better at sports than me. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I didn't know he did that. Fab's a legend. He is a legend. <laughs> he fell asleep. All right. And did you want to do your, your plane TV now or can we get to Star Wars? Let's get to Star Wars. At the end, I want to talk about, I, I ran through some, some TV shows we hadn't covered in a while. So we will run through some, some things that we hadn't covered yet at the end of the show. And you're not going to tell me what they are in advance so that I can... 100% no. Okay, great. I want you to be as surprised as I was when Fabulous no, ra- racially like, we, profiled me. It's all improv. Yeah. Okay. Um, last night, Monday night, during Monday night football in a, <laughs> a display of pageantry mm. that really upped the NFL game day programming a, a notch with stormtroopers mm-hmm. walking on the field during a three to two clash. Was Jerry Jones commanding them? No, was it was, that, <laughs> it was he, like it? He, he does have a little Palpatine going on. Was he on. running out scabs? <laughs> was he like, your bench for like, the stormtroopers? <laughs> yeah. For real. Um, no, it was like the score is three two. Minnesota Chicago Trubisky was warming up. I think he was already in the game by then. I love, uh, and love football. The Star Wars: The Last Jedi mm-hmm. trailer debuted on ESPN. Director of the film Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. had taken to Twitter earlier in the day, <laughs> or maybe honest. the day before, where he was just like, "Gotta be honest." If you guys want to come in cold to this movie, I think that this got kind of blown out of proportion because it was read that Ryan was basically like, don't watch this trailer, right? And then he was like, you guys are twisting my words. What I mean is, I like going to movies cold. Lots of people like going to movies cold. Fly on the wall. What was Bob Iger's reaction when someone told him that? You know what? You guys need to, like, you're going to make your your money back on this one. You know what I mean? Like, if Ryan Johnson's just like, there's some stuff in the trailer. And this is interesting because I can't remember the other director who I heard talk about this. Recently, I think it might have been a director of maybe it was like Sam Mendes with one of the uh, The Bond movies with one of the Bond movies where they were just like, 
they just like they they ruin this movie with like the trailer. Mm-hmm. Like they just insist on putting more and mm-hmm. more and more plot in, and I'm just like, guys, you've got to like you got to let people make up their own minds about this at a certain point. We're just like oh, giving away all. Look of, at this dude standing athwart culture and yelling, gosh, "Stop!" What was the plot twist? I think it was. It might have been Blade Runner, but I can't remember what it was. Recently, a director was just like, you guys got to stop. Like, this is going to... By the way, people psyched for our Blade Runner podcast one week late. <laughs> Come on. We're one doing... week late or just on time. Because Thursday, it's we're just doing like it. you have to let those... It's a two-hour, two 45-minute movie. We have to let the text takes Jesse. Anyway, Ryan Johnson is just like, proceed with caution. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what he said. And you know what? I can see what he means. Because mm-hmm. there might be a couple of fake-outs in this trailer... There, there's two major things, and I guess if like you are one of those people who are trying to go into the Last Jedi cold mm-hmm. while listening to a pop culture podcast it's a weird with thing. me and Andy, d- depart now, exit stage left. Mm-hmm. But there are two major plot points that it suggests happen in okay. the trailer. First one being that Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver, might be the person who might just might kill his mother. Mm-hmm. Princess Leia. By the way, on brand for the character. Yes. Killed his dad last time. Yes. It is a little bit... They, it's suggested in the trailer. I don't think that that is going to happen. Whoa. Look at you. I think that that would be a pretty tough road to come back from for mm-hmm. him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like Mitch Trubisky was just down one point and he's still lost. <laughs> imagine, imagine taking out Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher yeah. from the Star Wars universe and then asking people to still be like, but he's a good guy underneath, you know, just yeah. had a little band aid on his face. He's mixed. So there's that. Then at the end of the trailer, they do the will she or won't she with Ray. She's like, I have this power. Mm-hmm. I need somebody to help me control it. Show me my place in the world. And there's like a scene where like, Adam Kylo Ren seems to reach out his hand mm-hmm. to her, like take my mm-hmm. hand, like let's let's do this together. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two things. Let's just hear from you generally. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the trailer? I feel very sympathetic to Ryan Johnson about this for 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 one main reason, okay. which is I think this movie is going to be really good. I have a lot of faith in it. We talked recently about how the lack of buzz is only positive in this case. Mm-hmm. I think because. There's been so much tumult in the Star Wars universe, yeah. uh, you know, behind the scenes. This movie has just sailed through, by all accounts. And it, you know, Ryan Johnson wrote and directed it. Everything about it has looked good, seemed classy. All the actors wonderful. are just like he did a great job. Yeah. I'm the excited. Movie's awesome. I'm excited yeah. to see it. Yeah. What I didn't like about the trailer Was is the that well, that's just sure fine. You gotta you gotta sell the gotta sell the the, the stuffed stuffed animals. You know that's fine. Yeah. Um. I don't really know what it's about. And what I mean is, I know what it's about, like, lightsabers. And so you're the, you're blah, the blah, problem. Blah. You want them to put more plot no, in No, I there. don't. I actually, I actually kind of want less because this whole... Th- my, my memory of Force Awakens is basically, Star Wars is back. Yes. That's our cultural memory of the movie. That's the cultural footprint of that movie, yeah. which accomplished the corporate goals of the Walt Disney Company to outrageous effect. Right. Everyone couldn't be happy to about subsidize how it Grantland. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, just like in the Star Wars universe, some some Jedi have to die so they can be reborn. Sure. Um, you know, did you know that actually um, all of us and Shea Serrano and and all of our old friends appear as holograms at the end of the Last Jedi, <laughs> waving? <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's like yeah. us, Wesley Morris, Rembert, we're all just waving at mm-hmm. the end as the as the Porgs sing their Jub Jub song. <laughs> um, no, it's just, but my my, but my takeaway from it, and I don't think I'm alone in this, uh-huh. isn't oh Ray, how you know how's Ray going to solve the dilemma of herself? Yeah. I actually don't 
I don't think about Ray at all. Yeah. So the challenge for Ryan Johnson, as for me as a viewer, is to be like, let me remember why I care about any of these characters, and then I'm along for the journey. So, yeah, I so, think if so I when can... I see this, I'm like, okay, sure. My feeling about this is sure, but aesthetically, like, it looks great. The red seeping into all of the frames, you know, the reminder that Oscar Isaac is playing a part in this, even though he's talking about defeating the First Order, which is not something I particularly care about yeah. still. I, I'm excited. For me, the movie will be a success if it makes its case for me, if it makes its case to me as a movie with characters I care about as opposed to a continuing brand extension. Yeah, I I agree with you in, in different, I would put it in different words. I think that it's just that Basically, what this move, this watching this trailer felt like, is that the dock is disappearing. If you we left the Star Wars dock, and we could still see all our old mm-hmm. friends back there, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, Chewbacca and Han Solo and, mm-hmm. and all, all these people, and then that was that sensation was definitely continued by Rogue One mm-hmm. because freaking Darth Vader shows up in mm-hmm. it. Now you're kind of like out on the ocean with these characters, mm-hmm. and. I think you could make the argument that they were not fully developed in The Force Awakens. That mm-hmm. A lot of that was like connecting the dots and, and trying to like get people and taking on the into mantle. the world and taking, in the, taking on the mantle. And now you're kind of like, like you're saying, man, like, wow, you really need... Now, I happen to think, interestingly enough, and I, I you know, other people at our office, like Amanda was talking about this, yes, this morning, there's like a lot of people care very deeply about Ray. They're just not... 40-year-old Star Wars fans all the time, well, right? I am ex- I think like Daisy Ridley is great. No, even the character. Was great. Even, so and, I, and even the idea, like just even, yeah. I'm excited for her to be the star of these movies. Yes. And not just the actress, but the character as well. But you know, you know what I really wanted at the end of the trailer? I wanted extremely Benicio Del Toro voice, we're in a land of ice wolves now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I he's wanted. He's in the movie. Oh, that's true, he's yeah, in it. So maybe we get, we get some of that vibe. Um, I think that the one thing I would say from myself that I realized I didn't care about is like I don't understand. I still don't understand like the first order, yeah, and I, like how that just is like isn't this ju- this is just Star Wars again? Obviously, we yeah. have like rebellion and an empire, but we're going through this like nope, that Snoke's different, you know, and and all these yeah. It, it, so that that part I'm still like I'm trying to like I, I, it's weird that I want trade routes and like Imperial Senate stuff to just kind of yeah. fill in the blanks there. Well, it, it's. It's in, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud with Snoke. Yeah, because <laughs> that super didn't matter yeah. in the first movie. But this is a series that appears to be, you know, intentionally copying the DNA of what made it popular the first time. Uh, it, it's just copying it, right? It, it, it's attempting to sort of mix and match character traits or ideas, but but playing with the same notes in the universe. Yeah, um, the hallmark of the the first movie was that the villain was revealed as something we would we there was a level of emotional investment in the villain that we didn't realize we had sure because um, he was an angry teenager basically because, well well no that it was his his dad I mean I'm sorry to spoil that but <laughs> oh, do you guys about the original movies. do you guys know that <laughs> they're the original movies. I'm talking about the original yeah trilogy. I thought you were talking about Kylo Ren okay good well that's there in him sure. as well but so is is the movie playing is this trilogy playing towards a longer game where Snoke is going to be revealed as something that matters. And I actually feel like chasing that would be a dead end for the series because just focus on what we have. Don't try to recreate those those twists or highs from the last time. Sure. But it appears to me now, based on one movie and two trailers, that I mean, Snoke is the villain, right? There's a chance if Rey goes to the dark side with Kylo, there's just as much chance that Kylo could come to the light side. Sure. Um, so Snoke is the villain. But what is that? Right. Well, other than an, another Andy Serkis CGI Marvel. So they need... 
they need some balance then, right? Because like, the obviously, yes, no, they but do. They obviously have all these really charming people, and even against the fact that like he's written, like even though he kills Han Solo, Kylo what? is like a very charming <laughs> character. He's like a very enigmatic character. It's just raining spoilers on this. Podcast. I think that the the thing that this movie really has going for it is like not really sure like what's going on with Luke. And Luke looks like he's on one. And he looks like he's a dude who's just like, I've, I'm deciding that like the force is too much. It's too much to have like this stuff in the world and have people be I, able to do the things that Darth Vader is able to do or the Emperor is able to do. Honestly, I feel I relate to Luke because I feel like that's what I would be like if I hadn't moved out of New York. I feel like if I woke up <laughs> after commuting on the subway from hell, wearing rat shoes. I would just be like, this is going much worse than you think it is. Yeah. If I was still in New York media, like that would be me. So you're fired up. Will you be uh, taking in any more Star Wars related? Co- like, like if they put out another trailer, if they start doing like TV ad versions of it, are you just are you like whatever? Let's just get through it. I'm going to be honest with you. I co-host a marginally successful pop culture podcast, so I will partake of future Star Wars content as it comes. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm sure Zach was like, "What do you mean you're not going to watch yeah, another Star Wars?" Trailer? I will. I, I I will watch it. But what I I, I would like. I, I guess I'm more sympathetic to Ryan Johnson's, the intent of that tweet, because when this trailer began and has the little tinkly music and we hear a voiceover and then the world is opening up, like I I would look, I look forward to that experience in December. In the theater. In the theater. And then we'll see where we go, you know, and I I do believe, say it again here and we're just so we're on the record consistently with this. Ryan Johnson knows how to do this, and I think in a way that could surprise us. Yeah. And just his eye is great. Like there's a couple of shots, the shot that's sort of like. Uh, from from a low angle shot of Ray lighting a lightsaber mm-hmm. against like a mountainside with yeah. like a sky, it's just like that's like you watch John Ford movies. That's how you shoot mm-hmm. iconic like hero shots, and I'm really excited to see it. I don't know necessarily that after this many years and going through the the sort of the Clone Wars, like that I still have the sense of childlike wonder that I would like to re- mm-hmm. re- retain for this these movies. But I'm still really excited for them. Okay, we're gonna talk about a bunch of stuff. That's also coming down the pipeline for the fall and winter, early 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of trailers came out of Comic-Con. So we're going to get to those next after a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Delta Airlines. My friends in the sky. Now boarding on Delta. Free messaging, dog. I used it. So I- if we were on a plane, you could just be like... What about what about Justice League? Can, can I tell you something? Yeah, that happened literally yesterday. Did you talk to your wife for the free messaging? No, she was next to me. I talked to you. Oh, that was you. That was me. You don't have to be off the grid when you're in the air. It's easy to access. Just go to the Wi-Fi portal and select free messaging pass on your next Delta flight. You can use iMessage, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, all simply by logging in to the in-flight Wi-Fi. Delta Airlines is committed to constantly improving every aspect of the travel experience, including your ability to stay connected while in flight. With free messaging on Delta, you have no reason to stop the conversations you're having on the ground when you get into the clouds. You know why I stopped the message with you? Because they gave me a free turkey sandwich. Which too? Oh God, a bunch of menches. Uh-huh. All right, we're back, uh, Andy. We should talk about another. I guess sci-fi, not really, but like superhero mm-hmm. legacy mm-hmm. product that's mm-hmm. coming down for us, and that is uh, Justice League, which we have mocked in the past. Yeah. We've mocked the Warner Brothers DC movies. Mm-hmm. We have derided them, but then we came back around with Wonder Woman. Yeah, like America. Yeah, and you know who else did? Mm. Warner Brothers, because yeah. a lot of Wonder Woman in the Justice League trailer. So this is the reason why I wanted to bring this up. Uh, 
was mostly because obviously Zack Snyder um, stepped away from the mm-hmm. Justice League project uh, under very sad circumstances, and Joss Whedon stepped in and took the project over. And since then, there's obviously been extensive uh, reshoots, reports of extensive reshoots, reshoots. And I was like, I wonder how you make a Joss Whedon movie out of a Zack Snyder movie. Uh-huh. And this trailer, which they debuted at uh, Comic-Con, mm-hmm. is kind of how you do it. It's basically those meta, self-reflexive, you know, self-consciously charming moments of dialogue and interpersonal interaction mm-hmm. uh, mixed with incomprehensible action set pieces. Yep. So... I guess my question is, are you any more interested in Justice League now than you were, say, four months ago? Here's what would also, make... strange, they've been advertising this movie for like two this years This is what now. I wanted to say. Yeah. Here's what I would be most interested in, if they never release it. If they just keep... keep putting trailers out? Keep shooting it, keep trying, <laughs> and never actually release it. You the know what I mean? tapes, yeah. No, like, like what if this was like... Uh, uh, let me think of an example before I make the joke. Um... What is an album that never that, that they kept waiting for the single and they kept putting out? Oh, yeah. Out. I mean, like, I can't think of that. I know what you're talking about, though. That sensation where it's like they just keep recording Katy Perry music and trying out different singles. Right. And then they're like, oh, by the way, here comes Prism. Yeah. Yeah. Until they find the one that hits and then there's your album. Yeah. Like that. that That's what I'm thinking of here. It, it, that would be an interesting art project for me. This is at this point officially the thirstiest blockbuster of all time. Mm-hmm. It is desperate to be loved and nothing good can come from this i just i just don't think that it can i mean it is the hallmark of a Zack snyder movie remains to his credit and his vision it is visually incomprehensible right it is just a cartoon world of nonsense yeah it looks like they are fighting the elephants from 300 in this or something yeah and and then there's a darkness and then there's it's it's the fate of the world and everything's changing and and then there's time for a just a weirdly like Ben Affleck looks like he's on the Beth Littleford interview. Do you remember that from The Daily Show in the 90s when Kilborn was yeah. the host? Beth yeah. Littleford would host a segment. It was like the soft focus interview where they, she would literally smear Vaseline on the lens when she was on it. Yeah. That's what he looks like. Yeah. He looks more CGI than the weird future flies that Aquaman is spearing. Sure. But he's there to be like, you know, little little winky joke. It The entire thing is exhausting, frankly. And it, it, it's... They are trying to build something out of spare parts here and of, of pieces and trying to... I think they might have to, actually reshot this entire movie. They may have. Yeah. And, and, and to tune it to what they believe the audience tastes to be, which is always trouble. But, you know, as usual with these things, and when there's this much money at stake, I don't... It does not appear, at least in the trailer, that they realized what was good about Wonder Woman, which was, frankly, the scenes with, with Gal Gadot and, and Chris Pine talking on a boat. Sure. You know, relax and well, show I us think that. Joss Whedon probably has... It, it's it. It was a happy accident, not even an accident. It was a ha- happy coincidence mm-hmm. that Wonder Woman was as successful as it was, it, and Joss Whedon has, has yeah. already like a very uh, pronounced like af- affection for that character. Mm-hmm. So he probably was the perfect person to put like Wonder Woman for, at the forefront, other than like the people who made Wonder Woman, obviously. But yeah, I I I just. Don't really understand. Like I have, like we were talking about Star Wars and like what's going, mm-hmm. what's going on in Star Wars. Like w- seriously, what is going on in the DC universe? You have like any idea of like, is there a villain? I, ge- it- I, I guess <laughs> there seems to be. Yeah. They seem to be in a lot of peril, right? But aren't they just like mountains that come alive and they get thrown I, at I think, other mountains? I thought they were building up to Dark Side, who's a bad guy. You remember we used to say it in a funny way, Dark Side. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Is that is that he's not there yet? He's like he's like the Thanos. 
Man. Look, I don't know, man. What if Brolin gets cast as Darkseid? <laughs> He's swole enough. He's he can take it, it on. I, it's just... Look, I, I, for people who, who rightly claim that we are more Marvel fanboys, two, two rebuttals. One... Avengers movies don't work either. Yeah, they don't work, and and I think we you know we had a lot of optimism, and they put Harry Dean Whedon put Harry Dean Stanton into one, and like okay, there are moments that were charming, so they worked in the same way I was saying Force Awakens worked. They worked for a corporate advancement structure, and they got us to the next one, but it's too hard to right. do, particularly on the scale. And two, on the airplane, guys, I fired up. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I watched that too on the flight to Portugal. Well, let me stop you there. I made it nine minutes. Oh, okay. And That's how far I got into Assassin's Creed. I, although we talked about it for twenty minutes last week, I know. I maybe maybe it's our age. I don't know, but I I couldn't deal with the bants, the cartoon backgrounds with the exploding stuff and the banter. I just it made me tired. Yeah. At this point, you know, I. With, and and that's what Whedon is bringing to these movies too. Where that, that seems to be the template, the, the, the most broad strokes template you can take away from the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is you have crazy CGI nonsense, but they make clever one-liners on top of them. Right. And I'm tired of it. And I don't know whether it's me, if it's the world, or if it's just we've seen these now for we're ten years deep. This is a lot. Like the, the you know we, the reason why we respond probably to a film like Logan is because mm-hmm. there's not really like bats in Logan, or if there is, it's ingrained into the characters, it's ingrained into the situations. Mm-hmm. There is like a feeling of like this is like actually a good story being told well, mm-hmm. whereas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not even about like oh, it's serving like the sequel and the prequel and the spinoff. It's like I don't really think that doesn't just it doesn't even feel like that well thought out of like storytelling. Just g- give me a person. Yeah, even if the person has a cape, give me a person. Just a give real me person. Boyd Holbrook every time. Here's the thing: is uh, I'm off comic books mm-hmm. and I'm on Stephen King. Okay, yeah, let's talk about so it. So the coolest thing that I saw authors? coming out of uh, Comic Con was definitely Castle Rock. Yeah. Um, so this is a, I didn't, it's like a show set in the Stephen King extended universe, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but I think it's what it's essentially doing is riffing off of a bunch of different sort of uh, like very well-known Stephen King stories. It stars kind of the, the watch all-stars. I think Melanie Linsky, Andre Holland in. Yeah. In. Yeah. It's, that's, that's all I need. Plus Scott Glenn, Bill Skarsgård, and Terry O'Quinn. Like it's, and Sissy Spacek. Yeah. And Jane Levy. Yeah. So it's got and this incredible cast. J.J. Abrams is uh, executive producing it. And Sam Shaw, who did Manhattan. Yeah. Behind the boards. Behind the boards? No, he's, I think he's show running it. Okay. And then so then there's a bunch of so here's some of the uh, characters and storylines that it's drawing yeah. from it, Dolores Claiborne, Needful Things, Salem's Lot, Shawshank Redemption, Dreamcatcher, Night Shift, The Green Mile, Misery, The Shining. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it, pretty, it, it seems... Now, again, this is... You make something look aesthetically cool, you cast it well, we're already halfway through yeah. the door. But it does seem ambitious, not in the sense that they are going to depict you know, an alien squid eating a planet, but ambitious and they are going to attempt to make some sort of coherent, compelling narrative out of these strands of familiar material. Yes. There's a way where that's exciting. Yeah, where I mean, are, he put they, the roadmap there, are, there where it's like all this stuff is kind of happening around the same region anyway. And now the idea that, they, that, that these are strands to play with is doesn't seem it actually you can look at this in a way that seems like corporate avarice 101 or you can look at it and be like it's actually post that because what this show is positing is that all those movies and all those other things you like they exist they're fine sure we're going to just swim around in the same pool and see what we can do and honestly you, you mentioned the cast it's great andre holland one of the best actors working today yes i hope everyone who listens to our show watched the nick it's now it's in a time capsule forever those two seasons and moonlight incredible 
wonderful in Moonlight, but particularly in the neck, you're like, this guy is a superstar. And he's the star of this, and as he should be. So that's extremely exciting. It just seems like it, 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 it's complicated until it's, it's not. And this seems like a pretty ambitious, pretty compelling project. Yeah. And, and, and they, if, if it's all about teasing us, they, they teased us well. Yeah, I think that there's people are right to, and I think this is something we'll probably talk about a little bit with Blade Runner, but I do think that there might be a little bit of um, extended universe or pre-existing property fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people are crying out for new stuff. Mm -hmm. I think they want to be told new stories with new characters. And sort of what we were saying with Star Wars, I think people want to have these new archetypes. They want to have new characters who they're like, you know, I'm a, I like, I like, I love Ray, mm-hmm. not because of like the connection to Harrison Ford or to Mark Hamill or Carrie mm-hmm. Fisher. Like I like this character. So I think that something like this where, you know, this, a lot of this stuff largely exists in books and some movies that a lot of people haven't really, I mean, I think most of the people who saw it didn't see the miniseries, you know, like, should we talk more about the miniseries? <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Um, was there any other stuff from Comic Con that really jumped out at you? I have to admit that um, you know J.J. Abrams is producing uh, Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. His lost producing partner, Carlton Cuse. Well, that was Damon's producing partner. Well, yeah, they're all part of the Bad Robot fam, they, right? Be, yeah, alums, right. alums. Right. Sorry, another person who worked on Lost that J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams did, uh, is uh, Carlton Cuse, and he's got a new show on Amazon that is Tom Clancy's. Jack Ryan. No one else is Jack Ryan. Anytime you can get two names in the title. Two sh- like very short declarative. Do it. You have three first names out of four. What do you think the dudes who write the Tom Clancy books now feel like when it's like Tom Clancy's n- n- none mo- no more like clear in present danger? I think they feel very comfortable floating <laughs> and in their... And it's like s- by Glenn Fittich or whatever? Like- I think he feels very comfortable floating in the swimming pool that Tom Clancy's <laughs> characters bought him, right? I mean, why not? Do you know anybody who's like a big Clancy head? No, I was always very intimidated by those books in the eighties because, like, they're super bad. Well, but they're also like a thousand pages. Yeah, but they're like they're like the bad guys. That's what they literally refer to people as the bad guys. Oh, well, that you know, it was a simpler time then. <laughs> sure was. Um, but you're in on this. The trailer looks good. Yeah, um, I find Krasinski pretty easy to watch. You know, uh, gen- generally, I think he's been. It's been, it's interesting. He's on this jag of of wanting to be an action star a little bit, but you know, since thirteen hours, um, but. He has been talking about this show a little bit, and he's just like, this is really like, people say, oh, it's like a movie. It's like, we really did shoot this like it's a 13-hour mm-hmm. movie. Um, and, you know, I'm interested in, in the storyline. Full personal disclosure, as, as you know, John Krasinski. Well, that's why I was going to ask you. It's like... We, we've known each other for 20 years. Yeah. John Krasinski was in the same sketch comedy group right I was so in. how does it feel to see fucking Get, see this him, guy see him that swole? you were in an improv sketch comedy group with was I'm, it improv or was it pre-written how dare you, you guys those are a, two different things I don't, that's why I'm asking you I don't remember sketch <laughs> okay we prepared our material and okay. performed it solely for drunk people at midnight <laughs> okay as the lord intended out of bounds that was the name of the, the group uh-huh. right okay yeah so how does it feel to see an out of bounds alumni well, first of all, they're out of bounds. Fighting the war on terror on an Amazon show. There are out of bounds alumni out in the world. I mean, we saw an out of bounds alumni struggle with the perils of single parenthood on. Not, let me start again. <laughs> we saw an out of bounds alumni struggle with um, uh, basically being a adopted parent to someone else's kid on the television series about a boy. I mean, Dave Walton. Oh yeah. I mean, there, there, there he is right there. We see an out of bounds alumni delivering us the news on Sunday mornings now on CBS. Oh, wax. Yeah, wax. That's right. But uh, to your question, this makes sense to me for this reason alone. When John Krasinski tried out for Out of Bounds in 
96 or 97. You know what the you know what the you know what the, the rap on him was? He really likes Hunt for October. <laughs> he just he was just like the bad guys are out there. <laughs> he was kind of a jock. That was what we were concerned about. Yeah. Because, you know, nerds and jocks don't want to mix. <laughs> Nothing good can come from that. Not in the mid-90s. Not in the mid-90s. No, he was like, he, he, was, he was a basketball dude. Yeah. And we were a little unsure about his comedic chops. So actually, it's a return to form. Oh, good. I, no, I mean, he, he's an incredibly nice guy and a very funny guy. But I think what I like about this is, it, the, the, I like the casting in this because you want someone to root for, first of all, in a, in a project like mm-hmm. this. If there's if there's so much of the fireworks are around the main character, you need to have someone charismatic, and he's very likable television star. You know, it has been now for for a minute. But also, I believe you correct me if I'm wrong here. The origins of the character is that is that's fairly accurate, right? That he's an analyst. Yeah, he gets I drawn think it's into been, it. He's not he's an action been star. Changed over the years, right? So when Alec Baldwin played him, mm-hmm. he was a guy who had had a broken back in a in a helicopter accident and who was sort of us? relegated yeah. to being an analyst and he gets drawn into a slightly more action-packed world but even in Hunt for October he just like the most action he really has before the last mm-hmm. scene is like he jumps out of a helicopter and has to get rescued by by Scott Glenn. Yeah. Um in the Harrison Ford version of it he's like a little bit he's Harrison Ford. past his past it but he still is Indiana Jones. Yeah. And then Affleck that that one was nuts cuz like Affleck like lives through a nuclear explosion in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like Morgan Freeman is the president, sure, but dies in that movie, right? I, they they blow up at the Baltimore, the Ravens, right? Like they blow up the stadium. Yeah, but like it's just like he's just riding a Affleck's like riding a motorcycle through an irradiated Baltimore. And the Chris the Chris Pine version too. Yeah, the Chris Pine version is like, what if he's like he breaks his back, but then he just becomes like super spy and Costner's in it, cybernetic back. Yeah, uh, this one seems to be like they're implying that he they they make a big deal about using one of the sort of more famous lines from Fun for October. It's like I can't do that. I'm an analyst, and then they they then, gussy it up in this one. And then Bunk tells him to get on the plane. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say this about it, obviously, sight unseen. There's a reason why we keep trying to watch Homeland, even though it keeps frustrating us. International... We do. <laughs> well, oh, did you not get that memo? This is a, this is a, a world that is ripe for, yeah. frankly, for entertainment. I'm not going to watch this Jack Ryan show hoping for insight into geopolitical affairs. Sure. So if you go into it knowing it's a star vehicle and it's a movie, and when they say movie, they don't mean it like it's the staircase or whatever, right? Yeah. They mean it like it's an action movie. Great. Go for it. Do it. I'm in. And maybe maybe, maybe Kras will come talk to us about it. So let's end this way. Uh, we've been apart for a couple of weeks. Uh, give me one thing that you've seen while I've been gone that you want me to watch, and I'll give you one thing that I've seen while you've one been One thing? Gone. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I did watch one thing. Uh huh. <laughs> I watched Jeremiah Tower, The Last Magnificent, uh-huh. which is a documentary about a chef. It is not not as about I, not a Philadelphia Eagles linebacker. Unfortunately, not. Okay. I was led to believe that it was Jeremiah Trotter, The Last Magnificent. Uh, All true about the Axe Man. Yeah, <laughs> late of the Eagles, which would have been a much better documentary. Yeah. Um, I tried out. I, I thought I would try out some TV shows. Sure. One I definitely watched that I don't I literally don't remember what it was. That's how memorable it was. I watched uh, some of Brockmire yeah. from IFC. That got good reviews. It's a Hank Azaria comedy. Yeah, he's a, Amanda Peet. Amanda, or the Queen. Yeah, Amanda Peet is on it. I couldn't keep going with that. Sorry. Okay. You know, it's it's he's funny. It's funny, but I I, I couldn't. So you're not recommending. I'm not that. recommending that. What I wanted to say you're was recommending game film of Jeremiah nope. Trotter. <laughs> First of all, check YouTube. Yeah. No, what I am recommending 
is I went back. I went back. I cheated. I had a cheat day. I went back to Animal Kingdom, Chris. Oh, shit. Really? Now, you remember a year ago. You know, I, I was, I'm the Speedman fan club vice like president. on the flight out here when I was moving here. Yeah. I was just like, like, F it. Let's just do this. I watched four episodes of Animal Kingdom Not on TNT. Not bad, man. Pretty good show. I had a lot of content yeah. about that. We mined a lot because, because Scott Speedman is a beautiful human being. Yeah. And... I started watching the second season of the show, and you know, here's the thing: all the big picture criticisms I had, they still exist. The show is caught in this uncanny valley between wanting to be like a harder edged uh, cable show and being a you know part of the John like a Wells Chili Peppers like, video, yeah. But, but also like let's just keep it moving. John yeah. Wells, one of the gods of television, who makes Shameless, he made ER, he took over the West Wing. There's a comfort in that kind of procedural element that is, I think, a little bit ill fitting on a show like this. That it's about a crime family. Sure. Um, but this show, man, first of all. Every character is constantly drinking beer out of a beer bottle. And they are drinking beer out of a beer bottle in a way I wish I could. Where like you kind of really put, deep pulls? No, you put the neck of the beer like between oh, two yeah, fingers and, and you tip. casually just tip it. Yeah, and yeah. then you know there's a guy whose job it is on post in Animal Kingdom to just hit the button for that real fluid what sound. What do you think they're actually drinking? Of just... It's, it could be empty because it is so clearly like someone in post, like a sound engineer, is just like has recorded glug, glug, a, glug, 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 a, glug. a creek in Colorado of just clean mountain yeah. water. Sam Elliott beer, yeah. <laughs> yes. So that is just constant. There is a scene in the season premiere of the second season when characters are foiled in a robbery and they're mad, you know, and they flip a table and they yell at Ellen Parkin. And then you know what they do? Someone literally says, forget it, let's surf it out. <laughs> I defy you to name me a context in which you would say that. Uh, I mean, I wish I could say it. I no. wish, like, r- right now, I wish I could be like, let's go surf it out. Let's there, surf out all the problems on in the this world. show. There are the children of, of Ellen Barkin, and there's beautiful, beautiful Scott Speedman, who I would follow anywhere. And not only I would follow him anywhere, there's a scene in the pilot where he goes to a bar and he's lonely, and there's just a blonde woman who looks at him. Yeah. And it cuts to them he's having like, sex. He's like, surf it out. Yeah. yeah. He surfs it all the way out. Yeah. There is Sean Hattesey, who is on a different show, who fully thinks the show is on Showtime, or he thinks he's on Ray Donovan. He's one of the last Ray Donovan brothers, and he's just struggling internally and then there are these two other dudes who both look like <laughs> yeah the guys you call when jason momoa passes yeah those guys, those guys are are like when are we remaking point break again these guys are ellen barkin's large adult sons yeah and they just do all they do on the show is tip back beers and do key bumps and yeah. get frustrated with each other yeah here's my here's my take open top jeeps right here's so open wide open yeah Wide open. No roll bar, bro. Here's here's what I here's my my pitch for the show. Scrap everything except the setting uh-huh. and these two large adult sons. <laughs> no speedman. Have it just put him to better use. These guys rolling around San Diego makes me want to jump on you know with a, the Amtrak Surfliner and check out the town. Yeah, because I couldn't hang with them, but they look like they're having a great time. <laughs> Those guys are like the Krasinskis. But it's for real. <laughs> yeah, it's just this is an interesting thing, and I think probably everyone has this. I, I, I think I get away, and then I go back to Animal Kingdom. Yeah, it has its it has its animal talents. I feel that in way me. about Narcos. You know, it's like it, you can only get too far away from the source. Uh, the thing I would recommend to you that I watched while I was away. You know, I really wanted to like get deep into the Vietnam War. Or I wanted to watch. You know, like, you, yeah, know, you I, mean the, the the documentary? The documentary, or I wanted to like you know just keep up with the Deuce. But I get I just got seduced by uh, American Vandal. Oh yeah, I've heard so good this things. Is like this Netflix show that's sort of a. Uh, uh, parody of true crime shows mm-hmm. a parody of like the of serial and mm-hmm. and staircase and um it's about uh, an act of vandalism that takes place at a high school and it's pretty 
when you first see the first episode, you're kind of like, this is pretty juvenile. Like it's, it's funny, but it's like, cause it's about, it's about dicks. Right? Yeah. It's about like somebody spray paints dicks on yeah. a bunch of cars, uh, in a teacher's parking lot, but they take it so far, <laughs> both in terms of the investigation yeah. that these two kids are doing as they make a documentary about it. And then it becomes kind of like the way what happened with serial where like serial sort of took on a life of its own yeah. and the involvement of serial in the case became its own narrative it about it. These yeah. kids making a YouTube documentary about this case becomes like a sensation within the yeah. high school. And also just the performances and the characterizations are really, really, really spot on yeah. and, and funny. It is, uh, another thing that you'll love 30, 30 minute episodes yes yeah i mean so it's very easy to knock it. a bunch of these out i would really encourage people to make sure they get at least into episode two okay because it's where the the sense of humor really comes out but really really delightful delightful show i'm looking forward to that so house housekeeping we're doing the new Blade Runner on Thursday. I'm yes. going to go to a movie theater and see it. Yeah. We are going to catch up on the deuce If you hit, If you go soon. to the theater now, you should be done by the time we're recording <laughs> so on so Thursday. Of. We're going to catch up on the deuce maybe hopefully for next week. Yeah, you can get back to good. it. And we've got book club coming up. You've yeah. got about one week left to read George Pelicanos. And we're going to have a special guest joining us for that. It's George Pelicanos, The Sweet Forever. Yeah. Not, uh, he's he's not going to be the special guest. It's Tom Clancy's George Pelicanos' <laughs> The Sweet Forever. It's Tom Clancy's George Pelicanos' John Krasinski. Colon, The Last Jedi. Yeah. It's great. It has everything you need. And interestingly enough, it draws from the Stephen King expanded universe. <laughs> Our good buddy, uh, Joe House, uh, House of Carbs host. The Bard of Washington, D.C. We're making him read a book. Yeah, I love it. Um, so he's going to join us, talk to us about Sweet Forever. We're going to get back to the deuce. We got, bla- we got, our, we got Mr. Robot coming back. And we got Mr. Week. Robot coming back. So we got a full slate. We'll get back into show shows. Uh, Andy, it's great to have you back. It's great to be in the same room with you. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Delta Airlines. Now boarding on Delta, free messaging. You do not have to be off the grid when you're in the air. It's easy to access. Just go to the Wi-Fi portal and select free messaging pass on your next Delta flight. You can use iMessage, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger simply by logging into the in-flight Wi-Fi. Delta Airlines is committed to constantly improving every aspect of the travel experience, including your ability to stay connected while in flight. With free messaging on Delta, you have no reason to stop the conversations you're having on the ground when you get into the clouds.